0: Hey, thanks for coming. Okay, so there are a lot of more, lot more important things going on in the world right now than who the Tampa Bay Bucks are playing next in the playoffs. But sometimes little noises speak volumes, and sometimes they raise a lot of questions about bigger issues. And I think that might be the case here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Todd Bowles is the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks head coach. He had his weekly press conference uh, to talk about their game coming up this weekend against the Lions in Detroit, and listen to this question he got.
1: i uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we've <coughs> talked to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of rigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. I don't um, No, Nothing planned. We're, we're indoors and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing, so we'll be okay. Yeah,
0: but coach, what about those 20 seconds? You know, have you prepared for that at all? Yeah, the Lions have been playing indoors since 1972. That's over 50 years they've been playing their games indoors, two different stadiums. Now, maybe a non-football fan wouldn't be aware of that. That'd be understandable. But the question that was, a, was asked raises a lot of questions. Who was the woman who asked the question that a local TV station Send a news reporter to the press conference? If so, did she spend a lot of time thinking about the question before she asked it? And I, I'm kind of assuming that it was a TV reporter. It kind of sounded like a, a TV reporter, I'm, I'm guessing. But anyway, or, or even worse, was she actually employed as a sports reporter? Because that's possible. If so, how does someone that, that who is that clueless about the NFL get hired to cover an NFL team? I don't know the answers to any of these questions. And again, it's not a big deal compared to everything else that's going around. It's only football. But there are a lot of issues that could be discussed and maybe explained here that are wrapped up in that unbelievably stupid question. Maybe we'll find out who it was who asked it, but there's never going to be a good excuse for asking it or sending someone clueless enough to ask it to an NFL coaches press conference. Anyway, when we come back, remember Daniel Penny? He's the former Marine who stepped in to protect several people on a subway in New York uh, from a raving lunatic who was threatening to kill people. And then he was charged with murder. Well, the judge denied his appeal to have that case dismissed today. And we'll have someone from the Black Leadership Network here to say it's all about race and why it stinks. And also coming up, why you should think long and hard about getting an EV if you live, you know, here, where it's cold. Stick around. So remember Daniel Penny. He's the former Marine who choked out uh, a crazed lunatic who was threatening people on a New York subway uh, several months ago. He was charged with second-degree murder. Today, a judge denied his request to have those charges thrown out. Donna Jackson is Project 21 Black Leadership Director of Membership, and uh, she joins us now. Donna, thanks for coming on again. Always good to have you. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. So, uh, Project
0: 21 came out hard against these charges when they were brought. Uh, So, what do you think? Now it looks like he's going to trial in March. They're sticking to their guns.
1: Well, you know what? I'm not surprised at the way the uh, judge uh, uh, ruled, you know, he can't really given the state that he's in rule any other way. The only reason why Marine Penny was charged in the first place is because he fits the woke narrative that he's white, straight, male, and patriotic. That is the only reason why he was charged in the first place. You know, you're in a situation where people are being threatened on a public transportation uh, facility, and you're standing up for the safety of the individuals on that train. They don't see you as a hero. No, they want to punish you because you fit the narrative of what they want to see in this country, and that is anybody who is represents a certain demographic, because now we're in a situation where we now call racism just social justice. So he fit that bill, And so that's why he's being punished. And that judge wasn't going to go against any of the woke mob that's anchoring for blood right now. I mean, DEA, you know, the diversity, equity, inclusion, has really in a lot of ways punished any individual that people feel like goes against what they feel is justice in this country. And it's really envy. It's just really tearing down the American way of life, where we don't see people based upon the color of their skin. Um, It's supposed to be their character, but today it's only based upon the color of your skin.
0: So you think if this were reversed and uh, the people involved, the victim uh, and the uh, perpetrator in this case, because he's being called a perpetrator, um, were switched black for white. You think it would be a little different?
1: It would have been justified he would have been a hero yeah right right they would have it would have been justified they would have been saying that he did the right thing they would have put him on a pedestal and said, finally in this country we have uh, uh, we've achieved equality it would have been exactly the same I mean right now you have the president of Harvard I mean you had the ex-president of Harvard being held as some hero and Victor and victim because she was the most racist individual you can uh, imagine. And now, and she's a victim. And now what you see is a person that was actually probably saving people's lives who is now being punished. So that, this is the narrative that we have right now. Anybody whose skin is white needs to be punished by those who believe in DEI for those who really, it's really critical race theory, but that was, you know, didn't uh, advertise well, and so they just turned it into DEI, but the premises and the policies, principles, and the agenda is the same. I mean, I wish after celebrating Martin Luther King's birthday, that we would really put this aside. Because we've had a black president, we have a black vice president, we have a uh, uh, black chiefs, of joint chiefs of staff. I mean, black people and minorities have achieved a tremendous amount in this country, but it seems like they will never put that aside. And they're now weaponizing race against everyone. And it's not it's not really just hurting white americans but it's hurting black americans all americans the same way and so we really need to go for a message of unity right now
0: yeah that was my next question um how does this help black americans because the people who do it think that this is somehow a positive thing what you just described
1: not, it's revenge. I mean, is it making the uh, streets safer? Is it reducing crime? Is it uh, improving test scores and failing schools? It's not. And so much of this is just about revenge. Uh, you know, I, I, I say this with a heavy heart. They've made bl- being black exhausting in this country. I mean, me as an individual, I have never looked at people based upon the color of their skin. I was always looking at people based upon uh, what they're able to produce. I never saw being black as a handicap. But uh, that's exactly what they're trying to say, that somehow if I'm black, then I'm not capable. If I'm black, I can't get an ID card. If I'm black, I can't do math. If I'm black, I'm afraid in these safe spaces. All of this is is nonsense. We don't need any of this. I think exactly the same as any other person in this country. I want my family to have a nice life. I want a safe community. I want us to be able to uh, enjoy uh, all the amenities available in this country and take advantage of all the opportunities. I'm not sitting there looking at myself and looking at someone else and thinking they're different. I I don't see it that way because we all think and want the same things. That's the best life we can live as Americans. And I wish that we would get to a place where that is the case. Martin Luther King wanted people to participate in this country, not separate themselves from it. And that's, you know, that's where we go- we're we going. We're further into segregation. I mean, now they're passing segregation as if it's some kind of good thing. I mean, where are we going with this? We need to move back to a place where it's about people being able to participate, not exclude themselves from uh, activity in this country.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, um, the Reverend Al Sharpton was all over this uh, when it happened and was calling people out to demonstrate, and I think they had demonstrations near the subway. And um, so it's – this is going to be celebrated isn't it in some quarters the fact that, that there's going to be a trial and they're going to make they're going to make hay out of it
1: but i mean you know the the grifters are always going to be the grifters there are people who you know their primary goal is to make sure that um they can make money any way they can by dividing people and those people are always going to exist but that doesn't represent all americans that's not the sentiment of most black Americans. Most black Americans just want to be able to live a prosperous lifestyle. And I can tell you right now, it hasn't been happening in these last three years going on four years. Um And so we need to move back to a place where people start to look at their merit, what they actually put into, they get out of their lives, what they put into it. And the fact that some people want to capitalize on disunity is their problem, and it shouldn't be all Americans' problems.
0: And um, you said that most black Americans uh, agree with what you're saying here. Um, it's is is that being made clear by the media, or do we get a picture from the media that Black people as a uh, as a, uh, a a large monolith are are black people. They all think alike, and that this is great. The white guy's getting paid back, and is that the message that's being sent out? And uh, but is it unrealistic or unrepresentative of what of, of the way it really is?
1: I I think it's unrepresentative of the way it really is. I mean. You know, you have a certain group of people that they purposely put in front of everybody to to give out a certain projection. Um, I think what has clearly happened is African-Americans are waking up and realizing that they're being used and lied to. And so you see that if you look at um, the policies now that African-Americans are looking at and realizing who's putting forth those uh, policies that are actually hurting the community. Um, all of a sudden, you have African Americans protesting against illegal immigration. Um, you have African Americans protesting against, uh, uh, these, these inflationary uh, electric vehicles. I mean, they just had something on in Chicago. You have African Americans protesting against policies that historically, the left supports and so I what I think is that they realize that you know when at the end of the day it's about the policies and that this this notion that we're all going to just go along with the program that those days are over those days are definitely over and I think that people realize that what you put into this country is what you get out of it and that what is happening right now is that you have a certain group of people leaning a certain way to destroy it. I mean, remember, these woke DAs that are not prosecuting crimes, these crimes are primarily happening in African American communities. So who's being uh, left unsafe is minorities. Yep. And who's being hurt the most? Minorities. And so they realize what's happening. It used to be, you know, you don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Now it's, you don't let the left hand know what the extreme left hand is doing. (laughs) And that's that's what we have happening right now. And I think that there's been a huge awakening, a huge awakening, um, especially within the minority community. So, you know, the one good thing that I can say about what has happened is there's there's an awakening, yeah. for sure, and people are aware of where it's coming from.
0: Let me ask you, Donna, because I'm a white guy out here, okay? And so if there's an awakening among black people, it's not going to be something that I'm going to be made aware of the same way that you are, obviously, um, and you're involved in the, at the Black Leadership Network and all that stuff. Um, you say that there's an awakening. Um, what is it that... That makes you believe that this time it is a real awakening, and it could be, might be reflected. And or I guess I should ask you: Do you think it might be reflected in this election coming up?
1: You know, I, I can tell you whose policies the uh, uh, the minority community is is looking at right now and favoring. You know, the, the thought that uh, African Americans with ha- you would have less than nine eighty five to ninety percent of african-americans leaning left was unheard of the support that you're seeing for the left versus the right uh has dropped so all of a sudden democrats are on the left is only receiving about 63 percent that's an unheard of number 63 percent that's never that hasn't happened in in my lifetime i don't think it's happened in my mother's lifetime Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden the left is very very unfavorable um, with the minority community and it's because of these policies because they see who's really been hurting the communities the policies the crime the educate the diminished diminishing educational test scores um, all of these things are coming to the forefront, and they know who's doing it, and it's not the conservatives. It's the liberals that they've always been supporting.
0: Well, here's uh, Alvin Bragg. You mentioned um, the uh, the woke district attorneys. This is Alvin Bragg in New York City. Last year, he announced that he would um, not be uh, prosecuting, this is a quote, misdemeanors. Including selling more than three ounces of marijuana, not paying public transportation fare, trespassing except the fourth-degree stalking charge, resisting arrest, obstructing governmental administration in certain cases, and prostitution. Now that that he came out and he was, uh, pardon the pun, bragging about that being his policy.
1: And it's and who does that hurt the most? I right. mean, when you think about the theft the carjackings, the car thefts, the breaking and entry, who do you think were the primary victims of those crimes? And do you think that because uh, that I feel as an African-American, I feel better that somebody black broke in my house and stole my items? I don't. The only thing I know is my stuff is gone. (laughs) And for people to be in a situation where they feel safe, where they feel, say that they can't own private property because it's going to be stolen. That doesn't make them feel better because the person that does, that stole it from them has the same skin color. The only thing they know is their stuff is gone. And so this is, you know, the the victims of these crimes are primarily people that are black and brown. So, you know, that is not something that you should be bragging about. I don't know how many mothers that are crying because their kids have been shot or killed. I mean, even the Washington, D.C. area, I have a member from uh, New York whose son was shot, and she's devastated by it. And it it was because of someone who was already let out Mm -hmm. and wasn't punished for a smaller crime. She doesn't feel better that, oh, my God, this was somehow equity or social justice or racial justice. No. The only thing she knows is her son is gone and she will never be able to spend time with her. him. Well, well, and that... this is the problem.
0: Donna, I'm out of time. I always enjoy having you on and uh, I'm glad that you're out there speaking the truth and I hope you're right about the awakening. We'll check back with you in a few months and st- see if you still think everybody's awake. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're still waking up
0: <laughs> yeah thanks donna
1: thank you so much for having me okay it's always a pleasure
0: okay that's donna jackson project 21 black leadership network director of membership we'll be right back so have you thought about getting an electrical electric vehicle uh lately maybe you've noticed that it's been i don't know kind of cold around here And based on what's been happening this winter, you might want to think twice about getting one if you plan on living in Western PA anyway. Uh, Chris Queen is a columnist at PJ Media, and uh, you might want to talk to him, which is what we're going to do right now. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So what, uh, what should people living this far north of the equator here in Western PA consider before they buy an EV?
1: Uh
2: The biggest thing that that anybody in pretty much any state except Florida right now should consider is how the batteries on these things perform in the wintertime. They do not perform well at all in winter, and a lot of people are paying the price for falling into that um, headlong push to get EVs because um, they're realizing now that wintertime is not a good time to charge a car.
0: Maybe an EV is okay for commuting, um, but not for traveling. In other words, right. if, you, if you live here in a city true. like Pittsburgh and you, you, you go back and forth to work a couple of miles, maybe you live in the city and you only drive, you know, a short distance to the office and turn around and come home. But if you're out on the road and especially if you're, well, I was going to say, especially if you're a woman, but it, I, I don't know if that I'd want A woman to be out there and have her car battery die on a day like today? Not at all. Not that I'm not a man either, but
2: not at all. And um, a a study that recently came out showed that the average electric vehicle operates at about seventy percent battery capacity in um, in temperatures below freezing. And much of the country is experiencing below freezing temperatures this week. So a lot of people are having a lot of issues with um, batteries not lasting, and they're also taking longer to charge. I did see something today where some people uh, in Chicago are having issues with their Teslas because the superchargers that normally take 30 to 45 minutes to charge their vehicles are taking two hours
0: or more, and it's causing backups at charging stations. Imagine that who could have seen that coming right
2: and and the thing is too you know we don't we don't have charging infrastructure in this nation to support all this um all this push for electric vehicles,
0: yeah, well I saw uh Pete Buttigieg uh, was on the other day uh just the other day bragging about um money being um what money's government money is going to be spent on subsidizing charging stations.
2: And we know how well that always goes when the government subsidizes yeah, yeah, things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, so if it's if it's taking longer to charge, uh I'm, I'm one of those guys who I I've been known to I I have a gauge on my car obviously that says, you know, how many miles till empty, and I've been known to take right. it, take it down to 35 or 40 miles before I actually go to the gas how much can you? And 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 that seems to be pretty accurate. I've never run out of gas, at least you know, based on depending on that gauge. But with and I don't have an EV, so if I have an EV and it tells me I have seventy percent left, how much confidence should I have in that seventy percent?
2: I wouldn't have a whole lot of confidence at all. In some vehicles, the uh, the Volkswagen ID. Four, which I'm not familiar with. Actually lost 46% of its capacity. It's almost at half capacity in below freezing weather. It's hard to imagine, um, being out somewhere, especially if you have, have a distance to drive, whether it's to work or to visit friends or to run errands. Um, if you're, you know, if, if you're operating at, at 70% or even 50% capacity, I, I'd be scared to death to get out on the road.
0: Yeah because you if if there's a difference of 10% there um, and it's not like you know you uh, it's not like you can just go look for a gas station
2: exactly and it also you can go to a gas station with a, a gas powered car and fill your car up in 10 minutes or less uh, these these chargers are taking you know, anywhere between 30 45 minutes 2 hours to charge and well that, that'll ruin your day when you have to wait that long to charge your car up
0: yeah and is there a, a big difference in the amount of range lost, depending on the make? Is it a wide range of range? it's
2: it's a pretty it's a pretty wide range. The average is seventy percent. and the the worst offender was the Volkswagen, which um, lost forty six percent, which means it had fifty four percent capacity. So some of them had you know eighty five to eighty eight percent capacity. But even then that's that's not enough to justify. The promise that, that electric vehicles are going to change the world.
0: Well, and and if if you're, I don't know what's what's the. Uh, I haven't been paying that much attention lately, actually. But um, what is the average, if there is such a thing, range of a uh, uh, let's say an SUV? Do You know,
2: I you know, I, I really don't know that for a full blown electric vehicle. Um, I, I've seen cars that brag three hundred you know, 350, yeah. 400 miles, but I, I don't know that I would even trust that on a, a perfectly beautiful sunny 75-degree day.
0: Well, you take one-third of that away, and you're down to 200. So if you're going on exactly. a trip, um, exactly. and that's what, that's what I'm getting at, it if if you're going to try to use this car for anything other than just commuting, uh, you would almost have to be insane to get in a oh, car absolutely. right now here in Pittsburgh well, well, and say, is, say you're going to drive a, to New Jersey.
2: right. If you had a family emergency. You wouldn't want to put um, put your you put your life in the hands of a vehicle like that.
0: Yeah, because well, the other thing is that you, not only do you, if you know that you're not going to be able to make it to New Jersey when maybe you've gone there in the summertime and had enough juice to get there, right? But it's now twenty degrees outside today, and you suddenly have to go to New Jersey, and you think you're going to get two hundred miles instead of three hundred. You're also going to have to deal with first of all trying to find a charging station and when you right. do there might be three people ahead of you each of whom is taking like two hours to charge their car exactly and and they had they have seen backups at charging stations
2: all across the country because of
0: and so why is uh trying to stay warm inside the car a problem
2: um that is um that is one of the biggest differences between a gas powered vehicle and an electric vehicle. The electric vehicle um, does not have the heat that's coming off the engine that the heater can use to heat the cabin of the car and keep you warm uh, whereas a gas powered car that's that's a, what a lot of the heaters rely on is um the heat off the engine to to help keep you warm and so um it's having to work that much harder to keep you warm because nobody wants to sit in their car and shiver.
0: No. Well,
2: what? Have, know, well, I, what? I don't want to drive five miles and shiver. No.
0: Well, <laughs> I, I saw. I think in your piece, uh, and we're talking to Chris Queen. You can find his piece at pjmedia.com. Um, I saw in your piece that they advise people to, eh, you know, maybe instead of heating the cabin of the car, just go with the heated steering wheel and the heated seats, and right. that'll, that'll keep you warm enough kind of nippy out there right now. I don't know where you are. I think you're in the south, right?
2: I am and it it has been a really cold week for us here in the south for sure.
0: Um what's the high today? Yeah, it's 20 love, here.
2: I do love my heated seats, but it wouldn't be enough.
0: No, no, no. And and <laughs> and the other thing is if you um if you're if you are uh not able to keep warm in the car and you don't know if you're going to get as far as the car says you're going to get, and if you do get stopped, you're going to you're going to need to get a hotel room while you wait exactly. for your car to charge. Who's exactly. buying these things? Really? Exactly. At, at some point, what? And and the Biden administration, of course, and liberals everywhere are really still pushing these things.
2: Absolutely, and it's because they don't realize what people who uh, don't just drive for a short amount of time
1: have to
0: deal with yeah well and and but they keep pushing it and i but i have seen i have seen enough stories recently that i'm starting to get the feeling that people are starting to really question what's going on here and i think uh, so too and um i see like some of the car
2: manufacturers.
0: yeah yeah f-150 they're going to stop they're not making as many electric ones as Mm -hmm. they plan to make um uh, uh, (laughs) Have they reached the point of no return, though? What, what are they going to do? They've been pushing these things. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things that they've been pushing. And, and from going way back, it sounded like a pretty good idea. Yeah, you just charge your battery up and uh, you drive where you want to go. Well, people are, are, are now uh, experiencing owning a car. And living in a place right. where it's twenty five degrees, and they're saying, "What did I do? What, what am I doing?" Exactly. Here? Exactly. So, how long can the industry survive they're... trying to sell these things? I
2: I, I don't th- I think that there's going to be a, an even bigger backlash in the coming months and years. I think people are going to realize that this was they were sold a bill of goods.
0: Well, if you think about it, five years ago, five winters ago, it was as cold as it is now. But there weren't right. nearly as many people driving EVs, and right, each, exactly. each winter, if they keep selling these things, more people are going to have the same experience. They're going to they're going to be telling people, whatever you do, if you live north of the equator, don't buy an EV. Exactly, and
2: of course, one of the uh, one one of the people in the Biden administration, I can't remember who it was, um, you know, offered the advice. Well, if, if you need uh, a gas-powered car for for longer travel. Then buy two cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we can all just you know afford two car payments.
0: Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Um, I just had a woman on from the Black Leadership Network talking mm-hmm. about the Biden administration's energy policies and some of the. That wasn't the main topic, but that came up, and she said that it affects um, minorities more than anybody. And, oh, absolutely. And and if they keep pushing these electric cars, they ain't cheap. Amen. So I um, I don't know where this is going, but um, if I'm a car dealer, how many electric vehicles do I want on my lot right now when it's 20 exactly. degrees outside in Pittsburgh?
2: You do have to wonder how many of them are sitting on lots that and they haven't been moved in months. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. nobody... Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to be stuck.
0: No, uh, and and I again, I, I don't think that I don't really think that um, that people thought about it all that much, and that's what I'm saying. There are more right. people out there on the road now experiencing winter with an EV. Three years ago, mm-hmm. probably half as many people out there with them, and uh, that's where the backlash is going to come from. Oh, absolutely. And so you see the um uh is this is this could this actually become a a major political issue where the Biden administration continues to push these things? And it becomes a you know, if you're a left or right, you're if you're left, you're you're an EV guy. And if you're a conservative, you're not.
2: That could very well be the case. But I also think that um this is an issue that a lot of republicans can use as um as an issue to to make a point in this election cycle
0: yeah and i and i wonder if we're going to see like in the super bowl ads if we're going to see as many ads for electric vehicles I you know who knows they Uh, they may
2: still some of the manufacturers may still kind of be on the train but I, i think that they're they're starting to see the light too
0: yeah well, I know I'm not getting an EV anytime soon. Um, I don't blame you. Now, and you live in the South. Do you know many people who have bought them? I don't know anybody. I, I, I don't think I, I know honestly, anybody who owns one right now. I, actually, I honestly don't. I, You know, I know a couple of people
2: who have Teslas and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, most everybody around me likes the, the regular gas-powered cars.
0: Yeah. And and why not? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey hey Chris, I appreciate you coming on. Um and uh, Absolutely, people, people, my pleasure. People can find your piece at uh um pjmedia.com uh Chris Queen. That's correct. Yep. Thank you very much. That's correct. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll be right back. So, here's an interest, interesting uh, report I saw. Uh, From local news in Columbus, Ohio. This is NBC4 in Columbus, and uh, I don't think it needs any introduction. Just listen to this report.
3: One of the issues that has plagued the cities across Ohio, including here in central Ohio, is gun violence.
0: A new study
2: just released is now unearthing if the Buckeye State's constitutional carry law impacted gun violence in cities. We thank you for joining us today for NBC 4 at 5. I'm Jared Smalley.
3: And I'm Jennifer Bullock. The study was published today by the Center for Justice Research through a partnership between Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost's office and Bowling Green State University.
2: I remember back on June 13th, the state began allowing citizens to carry a concealed weapon without a permit. The study looked at gun violence in the state's eight largest cities. Six saw less gun crimes after the law changed. The data spans from June 2021 to June 2023.
3: And one of those cities that saw a decrease was the city of Columbus. Before the law, the rate per 1,000 people of crimes was 10.79. It dropped to nearly 9.5%. Other cities that saw decreases are Cleveland, Toledo, Akron, Parma, and Canton. The cities that featured a jump are Cincinnati and Dayton. NBC4 spoke with Attorney General Dave Yost today, who says this proves the statements are not true
2: so i think this is worth watching as we go to the future to see if it remains the same Um, but this is scientifically uh, a good piece of work um and uh, it definitively says that constitutional carry did not create additional gun violence
3: the Attorney General says this does not mean there is not a gun violence problem in the state. He says there absolutely is. However, he says the city and police leaders should be focusing on other ways to fix that problem.
0: So, um, there you go. They allowed more people, <clears throat> excuse me, to carry more guns, concealed weapons, and they had less crime. We've had a guy on this show by the name of john lott who wrote a book called uh, more guns less crime and uh, i may try to get him on tomorrow i I've I put a call in to get him on not just to talk about this but he uh he's also talking about the the definition of mass shootings and the, the usual stuff that you're going to be hearing about guns coming up because this is a uh a political season political uh, campaign uh year and election year and uh um he has all the numbers to refute most of their bs that they put out there so um i just thought that was interesting and then right there in columbus ohio doesn't get more middle america than that and we mentioned that uh i think in there were like six or eight cities there there're only one or two where crime actually went up but uh, if you listen to gun control freaks they will tell you that they're just absolutely terrified of the idea of people walking around with concealed weapons, and um, it's never scared me. And I guess that's a pretty interesting study. Now, I think the question is, how much publicity—excuse <clears throat> me—will that um, will that study get? How much will the national media be attracted? How much will they pay attention to that study? Because if it Was the other way around? If they had approved more concealed carry and the crime rate had shot up, you think they'd be talking about it a little bit on CNN and MSNBC? How much you want to bet this uh, story just kind of goes under the radar? You won't be hearing about it too much. So I just thought that was a good story to uh, finish with today. And uh, as I said, I'm going to see if I can get John Lott on either today or either tomorrow or the next day. See what happens with that, but thanks for listening today. I'll talk to you tomorrow.